Hello everyone. The title of my message is the Joseph of Peace in the Grand Salvation Puzzle. It's always a joy for me to come and speak to you at NLF Utsav. It's one of my favorite churches. So thank you so much, Shannon, and the team here for inviting me. You know, this is the first year that we will be celebrating Christmas. We will be celebrating Christmas without our dear Farah. I know that you must be missing her, especially Shannon and Anaya. And of course, uh, Christmas is such an emotive and emotional and nostalgic time, so it is heightened. And yet, we have the assurance that she is happy with Jesus. You know, how I wish that uh, I could meet with you all personally, because uh, I'd love to have connected with you personally. But we are living in strange times, and that is going to wait for another day, which we look forward with great hope. Well, Happy Christmas in advance, a warm season's greetings, as we celebrate the coming of our precious Lord Jesus. The word Advent is normally meant to signify or notify the coming of something special, person or thing. What an understatement it is when it actually is talking about the coming of our precious Lord Jesus Christ, God himself coming here down on earth. The prophets have prophesied about this and we have Isaiah in, Isaiah, in chapter 9 verse 6 saying, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. How do we see Christmas time, the fulfillment of Jesus is coming down here on earth? Well, beyond the human, the normal shopping, gift giving, and partying, uh, except that this time we have COVID as a dampener, how does God see the coming of Jesus in our midst and changing the history of the world? Well, I'll put it like this. My niece recently told us, called Jodana, she called and told us that she had uh, done a thousand piece puzzle, jigsaw puzzle, and that was a way of spending uh, gainful time during the lockdown and her isolation during COVID. And uh, it reminded me that we could perhaps God sees this as a gigantic uh, jigsaw puzzle of life that has to be filled in. I love doing thousand piece puzzles. You know, there's the thrill and the anticipation as each piece comes down. And yet sometimes there's an agonizing wait when nothing seems to fit. And finally it comes, comes together. What motivates one is that one can see, one knows what the ultimate picture is going to look like especially in the visual, the visual I just showed you. And so God knows the beginning from the end. He knows what the puzzle finally looks like. And it appears to us to be a puzzle which we cannot solve, but each one has a piece to play, a part to play. And let us proceed from there. God knows the beginning from the end. That's why he calls it, he's called the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And he sees the beautiful tapestry of this picture that is unfolding in human history. 
Now, salvation actually has five parts. It starts with creation. That is the story where our salvation begins. And then, of course, we have the fall. And then we have the redemption. Then we have renewal. And finally, total restoration. So in other words, all of history, with the coming of Jesus, is moving towards restoring all things as they were once at creation. We are pieces of that puzzle, and all of us have a part to play in our work in the salvation. The centerpiece of the salvation is Jesus Christ himself. And often we focus on Jesus and Mary, but there's one other person who is also spoken about, but perhaps when we should be given a more central part in the whole grand theme of salvation. And that person is none other than Joseph. How he did it and how he fitted into God's big plan is uh, something that we can learn lessons from. Remember making Jesus known to this world is something that we do jointly. It's a process of creating a new heaven and a new earth. For that, I'd like to anchor this word on a passage from the book of Matthew. And as I read, Matthew 1, 18. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Amazing. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what, was, what the Lord has spoken through the prophets. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. Let's pray, shall we? Lord Jesus, I just want to thank you for your word. For your word is indeed throws light for us to bask in so that we may know your grand purposes. And I want to pray that today as we, the world remembers you, we will also remember you, Lord, at this time. And Lord Jesus, come, illuminate our hearts that we might live in greater measure for you. God is sovereign over all, we know that. But it's good for us to remind ourselves that he chooses human instruments to work out his purposes here on earth. Sometimes he chooses men and women who apparently do not follow his purposes. For example, we've got Saul in the Old Testament and we have Judas in the New Testament. People who, if I can say, apparently went out of the will of God to outwork his purposes. Not so with Joseph. 
Joseph is a man who walked diligently with God. And so we have something to learn from him. And I believe the thrust of my message today is that we, all of us, have a part to play in the grand commission that we've been commissioned to, is to bring the presence of Jesus, to bring the kingdom of Jesus, to bring the kingdom of God down to our earth through our walk with God. Joseph exemplified that. You know, there are many stories told about how people through their behavior have got Jesus, made Jesus known to people. One such telling story is an incident that took place in uh, 1914, during the First World War, when you had people in trenches, soldiers in trenches from two sides, Germany and England. And while they were fierce and brutal enemies of one another in terms of killing one another on the battlefields, something happened on Christmas night. That something was indeed a miracle from heaven above. And that's what Jesus can bring here on earth as we become sensitive to seeing that we are those instruments. Can we watch this video together and see what we can get from it? As night falls on Christmas Eve, Allied soldiers are surprised by what they are hearing over from the German trenches. Private Frank Sumter is one of the first to recognize what they are singing. And then we heard the Germans singing Silent Night, Holy Night. Our boys said, let's join in. So we joined in with the song. The British sentries don't know what to make of what's happening across the narrow no-man's land. Private Leslie Walkington was there. So then we began to pop our heads over the side and jump down quickly in case they shot, but they didn't shoot. And then we saw a German standing up, waving his arms, and we didn't shoot. When they met on Christmas trees, first they were afraid of each other, and then they uh, started to talk and shaking hands. And once they did that, uh, it just seemed to be friends. The British khaki and the German grey are soon gathering all mingled together. By Christmas 1914, every soldier knew that the enemy was sharing the same misery as they were. Both sides are well aware that consorting with the enemy is only one step away from treason, a crime punishable by court-martial and execution. Men on both sides go to sleep that night, wondering if they will wake up the next morning to renewed fighting or a continued effort to defy the war. The fear of punishment is enough to get most of the soldiers back to fighting. How amazingly difficult it must have been for these people to pick up shooting again um, and with any kind of vigor try and kill people in the opposite trench that they just celebrated Christmas with. Private Archibald Stanley remembers how his officer put an end to their armistice. Well, if you're knocking around, this fella come up the next day. He said, you still got the armistice. Picked up his rifle, he shot one of the Germans dead. My first point was, he was a righteous man. Please note what it says in Matthew 119. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man. What an amazing reputation to have. It is a reputation that all of us would covet, isn't it? 
I remember a time in a company where I was working for, someone asked one of the directors, I see so many Christians in this place. By the way, there was a born again Christian last And so many Christians in this place. Why is that so? He said, because we recruit them, because we find them honest and we find them good workers. Isn't that a great testimony to have? That people begin to have, we have a reputation for being honest and good workers. Well, I wish that were the testimony of everyone sitting down here and all listening to me, that that is your reputation. Before I became a Christian, Christmas was a very, I can say, uh, miserable business for me. Because what I found was, I was laden with guilt and sin, and here there were celebrations taking place around me, and I couldn't understand why I was so miserable. Until I got to know that God paid the price for my sin, and Joseph knew that very same God was to come. Being an instrument to bring Jesus' presence here requires us to walk rightly with God. You know, in Romans 4, it says, Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. And so did Joseph believe in God because we read about him walking with God. Now, in trusting Jesus, we are saved by faith, not by works. And so we are made righteous by what we believe in Jesus. And yet, there is a place to outwork our salvation, as it says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. Therefore, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for God is at work in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. There is a tension of the now and the not yet. We are righteous, and yet we are working on our righteousness. That's why the, the gospel is a process which I spoke about earlier. For Matthew to say that Matt, uh, Joseph was a righteous person showed that his beliefs and his behavior were in total sync. And so we have to ask ourselves some important questions at this time. Let us do so at this time. How are we in certain areas like forgiveness or anger or sex? This is a process. I just named a few things. We know that there are many more things that we will look at. But in Christ Jesus, we can appropriate the righteousness of Christ. We can walk in, in, in righteousness. We live in times when righteousness at the macro and the micro level are being tossed out of the window. At the national level, laws are being passed, if I can say, to legalize the killing of babies even in the eighth month. This is the law of a nation, which I shall not name. And then we find, even at the individual level, stories that are galling. You know, through our website, our church website, I recently got a phone call from a young man. And that person had to tell me a terrible story of how even in his marriage, uh, which is which just, just happened, recently. His wife, who is pregnant, is wanting to abort the baby and she's now saying, can we have an open uh, marriage? In other words, she would like the, uh, the option of several partners. Contrast that with a young man in, in Europe who I'm in touch with recently. 
and who spoke to me about his awful sin during his university life, both in the realm of sex and drugs and a lot more. And he suddenly had reached a point of saying, where is the answer? And he put his trust in Jesus. And although it was on online and uh, through Zoom, he wept and he, he said, you know, I've encountered the righteousness from God. Now I want to say to us right now, that is the God we worship. I must tell you that I asked him, why did he come to me for the advice? He said, because I've heard that you were once living a sinful life and now you have changed totally. Joseph, like us, must have had a sinful Adamic nature, but he chose to be a righteous man before God and man, and we have that choice. Let us be conscious of the fact that the one who's come down here on earth is the righteous one, and we are his followers. My second point, you see this, he respected his commitment to human relationships, namely his marriage to Mary. Matthew 1.19 says, because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and didn't want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. In our walk with God, we must also ensure that our commitment to our basic human relationships has been very important to make us instruments for credibility here on earth. We see Joseph wanting to uphold his relationship with his wife. Godly marriages are keys uh, indicators of God working out his kingdom here on earth. How is your marriage? The number of marriages that Lynn and I are counseling has suddenly increased a lot. This is just an indicator from what I'm seeing. And the reasons for wanting to range from uh, sometimes profound reasons and other times just bizarre and flimsy, flimsy reasons. Sometimes they just uh, difference of opinions and they're suddenly talking about I want my space, you give me your space. The reasons for the strife are sometimes something that can be easily overcome. Both or one of them is not willing to compromise and to stand in pride. Money can sometimes be a major issue. Sex and the relationship with in-law is another. Pride and self-righteousness uh, and lead to strife and anger. Indulgence of the me factor. Not so with Joseph. None of these qualities, but only the fear of the Lord, and therefore the need to walk it humbly before God and with man. He took the covenant of marriage very seriously. Notice his desire to cover his wife in spite of the amazing news that he got that she was pregnant. I might have gone for a confrontation, but not Joseph. He turns to God. He's thinking, how can I cover Mary at this time? What a man. He's not thinking the worst of his spouse. To further the message of Christ's coming, let us do an audit this, Christ this Christmas, I suggest. Or what are our basic relationships like here on earth? Husband and wife, parents and children, children and parents, our relatives, all the people. You know, one of the greatest blessings that we can have here on earth is harmonious and good relationships. When people see those relationships, they will want to know what is it that we have. 
we have Christ Jesus dwelling inside us. Joseph, even in this crisis, is open to a divine intervention, which leads me to my third point. Thirdly, Joseph was open to divine prophetic counsel, which defied human logic and common sense. In Matthew 1.20, it says this, After he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what she has conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't know about you, but I would have been shocked at such an intervention. But he had an open mind to divine counsel. In Matthew's account of the birth of Jesus, angelic visitations as well as dreams are mentioned more than five times, if not more. We have, have been lost, and the question is, each time Joseph obeyed and followed divine counsel. Have we lost a passion for divine counsel? Do we daily go to the word of God and ask the question, what is God saying in this situation? Do we hear him speak through circumstances and through other people? By this, I just want you to know, almost 38 years ago, it's a story I often tell, so if you're hearing it again, uh, please forgive me, but if you've not heard it, I know that I decided to get married to Mary unexpectedly because I heard the, 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 the audible voice of God saying to me, Lynn is the girl for you. Following that voice has given me a destiny and what a delightful life. I couldn't have made a better choice. God says in Malachi 2.16, I hate divorce. And yet we have people asking today, what is God's will for me? in this marriage that I've been stifled. You know, I admire people who say, no, I've got married and I'm going to outwork, outwork this marriage and give it my best shot. Of course, there are sometimes situations in which there's adultery or if there's abuse of the worst kind where divorce is permitted. But by and large, the commitment has to be, God, this is something that you have ordained and I hold this as sacred. Joseph was a man who heard God in these very trying circumstances and decided to work out his marriage. Are we hearing God? It just doesn't happen. We need to spend time anxiously waiting to hear God, especially when we go through a crisis of the kind he's going through. A factor of being God-dependent and not man-dependent, not being man-centered, Joseph heard God and played his part in this divine piece of the puzzle that had to fall into place. And having heard it, that leads me to the next point. My fourth point is, he was a man of faith and obedience. Matthew 1.24 says, Joseph woke up. I like that, he woke up. He did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. He heard and believed. He believed in hearing God. Now that is something very significant. I'm afraid I notice many young people these days putting down criteria of what they would like to have in their young people. And I'm talking about born-again Christians. And that's good in itself. But can I ask this question? 
What about the God factor? Are you asking God who you'd like to get married to? Who you'd like him to get married to? See, I've already shared with you my testimony about Lynn and me. Joseph heard and obeyed. He was a doer. He was the person who put into action what he heard. Achievers do and don't faff around. In Matthew 7, 24, it says, Build your house on the rock and not sand. Those who hear and obey, build on rock. Those who hear and do not do, build their house on sand. We hear and do what we believe God wants us to do. What do we not hear at all? Joseph played his part in the grand jigsaw of salvation. He played his part in Jesus, his advent here on earth. Let's play ours. We have to play our part. So therefore, in conclusion, these four points that I've brought to you about Joseph, can we heed them? All creation, we are told, is waiting for the sons of God to take their place. And we are the sons of God. A troubled world is waiting for the sons of God to share his peace. In other words, it talks about right living, gaining credibility in our own family life, living for the voice of God, living in obedience to what we hear, and therefore being a light to the nations. This Christmas, this message is that we remember a righteous man and what he did in bringing Jesus down here on earth and giving him to us. He plays a role. Each of us, therefore, have a role to play. And therefore, we contribute towards making happy Christmas for other people. So can I wish you a happy Christmas every day of your life? God bless you all.